Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Coast to Coast slash postgame podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, y'all. For those of you who are tuned in, expecting to see this live, I apologize. Um, this is a Coast to Coast podcast. We decided since North Carolina had the vaunted Saturday to Monday uh, quick turnaround that we would do the Coast to Coast tonight rather than doing it last night in between the uh, Clemson and Miami games. And uh, after the 91-71 drubbing of Clemson in Chapel Hill, things starting to feel good again. People back off the ledge and Stop thinking the Tar Heels are terrible. Well, the Tar Heels come out and play what can only be described as just a gross first 14 minutes of the second half uh, and kind of nullify that Clemson win. I think it wipes out all the good vibes uh, because of the way this loss happened tonight against the, the, the Miami Hurricanes. 80-72 to 72 in the Smith Center. With me, as always, uh, diaper changer extraordinaire, Sean Moran. Sean, how are you doing? Uh, would have been doing better if we'd done this after uh, Saturday than uh, tonight, but we'll get through it. Yeah, and uh, and fresh off of his uh, latest uh, following the tour of the locks, uh, Sherelle McMillan. Sherelle, how you doing, man? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm really anxious to talk about this one. There's there's a lot going on. It seems like, dude, and and I apologize to everybody because this is a uh, this is a post game podcast. We just don't have as many notes and stuff that we usually have. Uh, for our coast to coast, we're going to try to do this is, is do it justice. And thank you guys for being here, guys. The first things I want to start out with, uh, North Carolina looked as if they had kind of played tough in the first half. I think some bounces went, didn't go their way. Um, you know, some of the 50, 50 balls that coaches like to talk about. Yeah. There was one sequence where North Carolina actually got a floor burn. Shout out to Tommy Ashley. He likes to talk about that on inside Carolina live with me on Saturday mornings. Carolina gets a floor burn, gets the ball up court. Caleb love, has the ball taken away, and then Miami goes back the other way and gets a three-pointer in what was essentially a five-point swing. And North Carolina can never really stretch this out. Stop me when you've heard this before. Quick stats from the game against the Miami Hurricanes. Again, Tar Heels lose 80-72. They're out-rebounded by Miami, 42-35. to I think a lot of that was because of Armando Baycott's foul trouble. Sherelle's going to grimace when I say this. Six assists on 29 field goals, uh, which if you watch the second half, that all makes sense. But when you see it in a vacuum, it's just revolting as it stands. 
uh, five from 31 for three. At one point, the Tar Heels were two of 23 from three. Uh, and that's after shooting incredibly well from in the paint. They shot 51% in the first half, and that's while going one of 11 from behind the arc. I don't know why they got away from from shoot, from taking the ball inside, even with Armando Baker. Sherelle, I'm going to come to you first. Why was what was working in the first half just completely abandoned out of the break? And I mean, to give you a two-parter here, is that coaching or is that the players just not understanding and not following what the coaches are telling them or is it both? Well, if they're continuing to do it, then it's coaching and they continue to do it. So at some point, the coach has to say, stop doing that because it's not working. So that's one part of it. But two, these are also, as we've said ad nauseum over the last five months, really, really experienced players who just do things inexplicably that you would expect, you know, seniors in high school and, and freshmen in college to do um, or to, to know better, really. So I, I think uh, who's to blame? I think both are um, the coach for allowing it and then the team for not kind of settling into something different. Um, it's really strange that, as you said, they shot so well when they were driving. And give Miami credit, too, because they did make adjustments. But, mm -hmm. you know, Carolina was driving to the lane. Armando Baycott, when you were testing back and forth, he was like a left guard in the first half, just clearing out space for guys to go to the rim. And I thought, wow, that's that's a good adjustment by Baycott, realizing that he's not getting the ball in the post and they're doubling off of Nance and, and Leakey almost every possession. There's five guys in the paint. So by, you know, blocking them off, they were getting to the lane. Now, in the second half, it seems like uh, Miami changed that a little bit. And instead of continuing to probe, continuing to um, try to get into the paint, UNC started settling. And then when Baycott got in foul trouble, it was as if, if they couldn't, like, go inside the three-point line to shoot. Like, there was an invisible barrier that once Baycott goes out, it has to be threes. And that's just, honestly, that's mental toughness. Um, I think we, we've talked about that a lot over the years. Like mental toughness is not taking the easy three, continuing to try to probe and try to find a good shot. Um, and then, you know, we can't let their defense go either. Uh, defensively, there are a lot of times where, uh, you know, guys back down defenders. Um, you know, Davis was back down a few times. Love lost his man a few times. Um, Puff, I know everybody likes to see him play a lot, but there are a few times where he, his man drove him down. Really, everybody down the roster, Nance, even mm -hmm. Baycott, um, the defense was not <clears throat> was not good. So uh, just uh, a really, I think, uh, I don't want to say poor effort because I do think they do play hard, but when you shoot two of 22 from three and then you keep shooting threes, you kind of deserve to lose because you're not adjusting and, and changing what needs to happen um, to, you know, from the first half to the second half. Sean, have you ever seen a situation where uh, North Carolina just looks as completely disconnected as they looked after looking fairly together for not only the first half of this game against Miami, but for the Clemson game? I, I just, I again, it's this team is continuing to be consistently inconsistent, but have you ever seen that quick of a shift in a game? And if so, what do you think causes it? It, it was a quick shift and they got punched in the mouth with the four points right out of the half uh, by Miller, but it, it was really a common theme that they go into the half down one. I, I would have given them kind of a, a B plus high B in terms of how they, how they played. Uh, they were one for 11 from three. That was the, the main story, but they were, they really picked up for the most part offensively. They picked off or picked up, you know, from the Clemson game in terms of the ball movement making the extra pass, moving quickly, getting the ball up and down the court. Um, 
and they shot extremely well from from two. But it's one of those halves where you find them they find themselves down one instead of up five or six at least. Um, I think the the play that you described at the very beginning that was I put that in dark red in terms of when <laughs> when, when that happened because if, if they score there the crowd is into it they're up up five. Um, I think they would would have would have been their largest lead and said it's a it's a tie game a few seconds later. And that's really been the story throughout the ACC season where there's these handful of games, their, their lead should have been, they should have had a lead or their lead should have been bigger in the first half. Clemson, they're up nine, but the majority of, of games, uh, it might be two points or, or down a point. And I think that's really where they're losing these games because Miami didn't really go on any significant runs in the first mm-hmm. half. They start that second half with the run, but there's not the cushion to work with. Uh, and, and then to Shrell's point, UNC quickly reverted back uh, to almost the, the start of the Wake Forest game or the other games where they're settling, uh, they're they're moving the ball around, but they're not moving with a purpose. And all of a sudden, it's you, you're hearing the crowd chant down eight, seven, six, five, four, and they're forcing up a tough tough shot that's not going in. They're not getting the rebound, and then they're not playing great D. So it really happened very quickly in terms of how they how they played in the first half, played together. And then it really reverted back to what we've seen, I'd say, 75% of the season. There was also a possession in the second half. I think North Carolina was coming out of a timeout. It may have been around the uh, the under 16 or somewhere around there where they came out and immediately out of the timeout, uh, you know, turn the ball over. Miami goes down and scores. Um, there was another one immediately out of a timeout where North Carolina, you know, calls a play and ends up, Again, I don't know what the play was called. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Trevor can help with that. But um, it, it really was North Carolina settling for a late in the shot clock three, which they missed, and that started a string of three straight possessions where they missed, you know, threes late in the shot clock. Sean, how do you fix that? Because at this point, this team is a bad shooting team. I think we all thought at the beginning of the year that you know they would improve their shooting. That hasn't happened. Uh, they haven't improved as individual shooting. There are times where players get hot. Caleb Love has started to shoot better, but even he tonight, you know, down the stretch, the whole team just couldn't throw it in the ocean if they were sitting in a boat. How do you fix that? Well, I I think right now it it almost is what it is, where it's really the power of the three. Uh, They're hitting the three against Clemson. They're able to score quickly. They're able to extend the game. Prior to Clemson, I actually went back and watched the Marquette game in the tournament, and it was interesting to watch because the first – five or so minutes were, were pretty, they're playing, you know, it was, it was a tie game. They're playing not extremely, they're playing down to Marquette's level. Marquette missed a bunch of wide open threes, but all of a sudden uh, you get fouled on the three, you hit another three and at six, nine points right in a row, which is what Clemson was. Um, and that's why the first half, the one for 11, they're getting good shots. And mm-hmm. I think they were getting them off of, you know, Caleb Love driving and kicking. Um, I, RJ making extra paths or moving the ball. But then in the second half, it did revert back to, uh, I'd say the tougher, tougher three-point shots, which is mm-hmm. what they, they, you know, RJ and, and Caleb have really relied on for, for the majority of the year, which are low percentage shots. And you weren't kicking, you, they weren't finding the open man. I think part of that did have to deal with Miami's defense. Uh, you know, they were playing very aggressive. Uh, they had Omir uh, really hard hedging the screens and mm-hmm. making making RJ uh, take a few steps back and they weren't able to, to move the ball and hit, 
hit whether it's somebody rolling or hit that open man and that's just killing five seven seconds off the shot clock so can they fix it i mean i, I think it comes down to can they can they play together and play quick and play with a purpose for not not 40 minutes but say 30 34 to 35 um or if they're playing like they did in the second half you know last last week you asked us joey what do we think for the final final eight games i don't think i gave an answer but in my head i was thinking three and five four and four and they're still right there unfortunately we had the high of the clemson where you thought maybe everything was fixed and then it really reverted back to that you know what we had been seeing in the second half and it's not fun and we've talked about how <laughs> these shows are not fun uh when the team's not winning but such is the job. Sherelle, we don't like to single out individual players here, but I want to do a good and one that hasn't been so good. Uh, Leaky with his second career double-double tonight, 13 points and 10 rebounds. Um, you know, I, I think for all of the things that he started to do well, including, you know, still somewhat of a threat from three, Pete Nance has kind of gone the other way. And, and I think for this team to succeed, they've got to get something out of his position. Uh, when you look at he and Puff Johnson tonight, who both essentially play that that four spot. Um, Puff finished with two points. Nance finished with two points. Uh, combined, they had seven rebounds. And, and that's just it, – it, do you feel like – again, I'm not asking you to be a, a psychologist and I'm not going to criticize the player. But do you feel like Pete may just be in his own head a little bit or do you think he's trying too hard? What's What, what do you think might be going on? Because he was, he was so much more reliable and seemingly comfortable early in the season. And it's just like he doesn't have that that comfortability right now. Yeah, he's definitely in his head. I mean, the, there's always a point in time when someone plays at Carolina where you see them, you can literally see them thinking on the court, you know, what am I supposed to do right now? And I think Nance, because he's missed, I think he's missed like 17 or 18 straight threes. He's made seven since the Citadel game. Now, obviously, he missed um, a few games in, in that stretch, maybe three games, but um, the Citadel game was before Christmas. So he's made seven threes since Christmas. Um, and there was one possession where Baycott is wide open under the rim and Nance has the ball on the wing. And you can see him think, oh, I'm going to shoot this three. And he's, then you can see him say, oh, mm -hmm. no, I shouldn't shoot it because I'm not shooting well, so I'm going to mm -hmm. drive. And instead he got called for a travel because he's just thinking too much. So he's definitely in his head. I do think he's not 100%. Um, you know, several people have said he receives like uh, a warmer for his back, you know, during timeouts and stuff. Um, but he's he's not playing well. And, you know, that's when it comes down to it, that's all that people care about. And he he's not. So um, the thing is, though, um, when he's not playing well, it's your hope that that's one of the nights that Puff Johnson is on. And, and tonight just wasn't that night. So it's kind of a killer when that four spot, which is really important to how UNC wants to play, um, gives you four points and it's over seven from three. I mean, that's you're not really going to beat many teams. Uh, let alone a good team like Miami um, in, in a situation like that, like that. And that's another thing too. Miami's a good team and Carolina's not. I mean, that's, that's, I know that is hard for our listeners and subscribers to hear, but it's the truth. Like Miami's a good team. And right now North Carolina is not there. There's a reason that North Carolina is 16 and 10. There's a reason that Miami is 21 and five. Um, so <clears throat> it's uh yeah, I, just you go back to you didn't see this coming um, prior to the season, uh, considering what UNC had coming back and the experience and all that. And for whatever reason, whether it's coaching, uh, whether it's just not shooting well, uh, it just hasn't worked. And I don't really see how it works moving forward. 
there's six game, five games left now, six games left now in the regular season. And it's just like, what has this team done to give you hope this season that they can you know, do anything moving forward? I, I guess it's that variance. I guess it's just like, well, you know, when when they look terrible, usually they come out and maybe they'll play one good game and then maybe they'll have a good half and then they'll have a terrible half and you just don't know what to expect. So um, I know we're going to move the conversation forward in a little bit, but, um, you know, now they go into a, a cauldron, a tempest, a, a hurricane, if you will, on Saturday. A and, pot of uh, fish grease, real. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that could be, uh, I, I'm not trying to be violent, but that could be like the kill shot to the season. Um, in a place that hates UNC more than anything. Um, and now they have to go into that on Sunday. So, uh, so not looking uh, great for, for UNC. Well, and you know what? Let's go ahead and move the conversation that way. Um, if there has ever been a team that wants to you know, plant a stake in North Carolina's heart for any reason and in any shape, and again, not trying to be violent, there's a team that wants to snuff out a season uh, against North Carolina. It's the team they're going to play Saturday. And, you know, you mentioned, Shrill, how hot that environment's going to be. It is going to be a, a vat of fish grease, and it's going to be hot and scalding and pretty edgy and, and probably will be unlike something they've seen uh, e even since last year, based on what transpired earlier this year in the Smith Center. Uh, Sean, schematically, is there anything that gives you hope uh, that this team could win three of the last six, uh, four of the last six? Or is it just one of those things where if they're making shots, you know, great and hope, or just just go ahead and and and, and cross your fingers and, and hope for a good NIT seed? <laughs> yes, I am grasping at straws here. By the yeah. way, <laughs> no, I mean it, it's it's obviously frustrating watching watching what just happened in the in the second half. I think from a positive perspective is that they they did really play three three halves that for the most part we hadn't seen in terms of that ball movement and pushing the the ball up the floor. And playing together um and i think i would have liked to have seen uh especially the start of the second half when when it started to go downhill instead of letting it continue um mm -hmm. you know try to get get everybody together and and get them focused versus waiting for a tv timeout uh but in terms of going forward i mean look you know we, we've never really seen carolina teams quite but we you see teams each year where at the end of the year you can point to a, a game where where they just didn't have it anymore but I, I think we have seen three out of four positive halves offensively um i think you know we, we talked about pete nance obviously they're not getting uh they didn't get anything from the fourth spot today i think he's he as Cheryl mentioned he's overthinking everything he's got happy feet uh even his passing ability which uh you know i think a lot of people were high on coming in everything he's, he's thinking through and he's a second second late on everything uh although i think defensively he's been you know been positive in some aspects but but obviously jordan miller um had had some baskets on him today so once again i think if, if they they want to move the ball if they look to attack i think today they were 24 of, of 35 from uh inside the three-point line over 60 percent it's just a matter of are they going to settle or are they going to continue to be the aggressor and continue to play how we saw or are they going to settle uh, wait until there's eight, seven, six seconds left on the shot clock. NC State, uh, the first game, they're probably the most aggressive defense I think we've seen all year in terms of where they are guarding UNC uh, mm -hmm. out beyond the three-point line, which did result in a lot of the trips to the the foul line. But I think they're gonna they're gonna do that again, and 
Caleb Love and RJ are going to have to look to attack, but also look to to dish. I think Caleb was doing a fantastic job of that, even if it wasn't always resulting in assists. Uh, but I think he's been really making the right plays up until when he started having to jack threes in the second half. Mm-hmm. And RJ has been at times, I think we need to see a little bit more out of him in, in those situations. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so in the event that NC State continues to be as aggressive, you talked about how North Carolina w- was somewhat successful the first time they played in getting the foul line. Uh, that has not been the case since that game. Uh, I don't know if it was because of the discrepancy, which was the headline after the game about how many free throws North Carolina took versus how many the opponent took. Um, but they have not had that many free throws since that game in the Smith Center. Uh, more importantly, they're missing free throws. Uh, Sean, in the event that um, that NC State does come out with that same aggression. If North Carolina is not able to get to the line, what's the adjustment? Well, I think if they're not able to get to the line, it's still being aggressive and 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 moving the ball with a purpose. And I think once again, that was what we've we've seen. And and even in that first half when they're they're down one, I think they're still from a points per possession at around one point one three, which isn't isn't great. Uh, against Clemson, it was one point three points per possession, but 1.13 equals to what they had against NC State. Uh, but then they're down to, I think, point, point 0.6 in, in the second half. And it is it is attacking. I think going to Caleb's perspective, he is the guy that can, can get that extra step uh, on the defender, especially if they are, are pressuring. And then it's, is he going to settle for for floaters or can he, can he attack, get to the rim, finish at the rim or, or find find the open man? And when he is kicking out, and Leaky or Puff or Nance, are they able to hit hit any shots? Because uh, I think we've seen Leaky uh, do it at times, but that that's you know if you're an opposing team, you're, you're going to say, hey, let let these other guys hit a few before we're gonna we're gonna respect it. Um, and then defensively, I think it'll be be interesting just to see the the big man battle and how how uh, UNC looks to approach that because I think that will also determine determine things because Leakey's been playing fairly fairly well from the wing. Mm-hmm. Um and that can go for him against Smith. Uh so how will UNC, you know, how will they they go mano y mano in the post and will Armando be able to stay out of foul trouble because he's been he's been picking up some pretty silly silly fouls the past past few games, uh almost frustration fouls. And after having none in the first half, he fouled out against Miami tonight. Yep. Um yep. so Sherelle, I'm going to come to you and and I want to tee this up. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about it, but uh, our guy, Brian Ives, just shared with me 
or didn't share with me, shared with the Twitter world um, a stat that is is quite ominous, uh, that North Carolina has lost 10-plus games in four straight seasons for the first time since 1949-50 to 50 and 1954-55. to 55. <laughs> I share that in conjunction with the stat that I shared earlier about six assists on 29 field goals and just what this team looks like right now. Uh, it's it's the losses, but also how they're losing. Um, I throw this out here because fans should probably be aware this this team is treading into very rare air and not the great kind after having such a nice uh, finish to the season last year. I hate to just say, Sherelle, your thoughts, but I, I think you do a good job of laying out perspective for this. Uh, and again, we're not saying the season's over, but it, it's... T- <laughs> The chances of riding the ship are, are 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 two. They're slim and none, and and Slim's packing up his stuff right now. Sherelle, what would you anticipate? You know, the rest of this season could could spell for the legacy of this squad. Um, that's I wasn't expecting that one. I think the legacy of this squad will always be Caleb shot over Mark Williams in the Final Four. Um, however, uh you have to look at it in totality. And when you start putting it together, I mean, this is among the worst four years when it comes to winning percentage and lack of ACC championships and lack of ACC regular championships and all those things that North Carolina has done consistently over the past, you know, 60 years. Um, This team doesn't have it, but they do have the feather in the cap. They have two of the five, you know, I would argue the two biggest non-national championship wins in program history is what I would argue. They have those. So it's kind of weird because you, I think fans will want to celebrate them forever, but it's going to be hard for them to, to get, you know, the taste out of their mouth of, of losing the Clemson streak of going four straight years with 10 or more losses of being preseason number one, and then being on the bubble for basically the third straight year um, of some of the things that uh, that happened, you know, in Roy Williams' final season. I think all that stuff is going to leave some some mixed feelings, I would say. But uh, in the end, their, their legacy will definitely be the, the Caleb Love shot. And I think perspective a lot of times gets misconstrued for positivity. And I think in this situation, perspective is going to sound pretty negative because um, there's nothing that this UNC team has shown this season uh, maybe outside of Clemson, maybe outside of a half against Notre Dame, but nothing consistently that leads you to believe that they will make some form of run. And I'm I'm going to say it just like I did last year. And, uh, you know, I believed it last year when I said it, and I believe it now. You know, I, how can they win? How can you think this team is going to win anything of consequence, um, considering what they've put out, you know, on, on film over the last 26 games? You know, at 26 games, it's not, oh, we'll make an adjustment here or, play player X, you know, a little bit more and that'll Mm -hmm. switch things around. There's no savior on the bench. There's no savior on the court. It's got to be a collective effort. And I just, I don't know that they have it in them. Um, They've tried. And that's the other thing. People talk about effort. And I think effort is a big catch-all when people can't explain what they're seeing or understand what they're seeing. Um, It's not an effort issue with this team, in my opinion. They, They play hard. And I think they want to to play together and, and play hard and play smart and all that good stuff. Um, but at the moment, they're just not capable. They're not hitting shots. Um, they're not hitting free throws. Um, they move the ball around good inconsistently. They rebound inconsistently. Um, they get good shots inconsistently. So 
it's kind of like what it goes back to at the beginning of the year. What is this team's identity? For a while, you know, the beginning of the season, we thought it was, oh, the guards are going to dominate and, you know, junior guards, experienced guards win in March, cliche, cliche, cliche. And that went out the window because they, you know, they struggled collectively at the beginning of the season. And then after that Portland trip, it was, okay, this is going to be the Armando Baycott team. They're going to go to him as much as possible and he's going to get the ball. And to a large extent, that's been true, but they, that's not enough. And that's kind of where things are. It's just not enough. Baycott's been the only one um, outside of maybe a game or a half or two who's been consistent the entire season. And it's just not enough. It's just, they're just not playing well enough. I mean, I, I, everybody is looking for like <laughs> trying to go to a soothsayer to figure out, is it chemistry? You know, is it this, is it that? They're just not playing well. They're just, they're just not a good team right That's now. It. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see, and I don't mean to sound cynical, I'll be curious to see how all of the off the court, good vibes, we're a family stuff that was, you know, kind of happened over the last week, how that carries over into Sunday. Cause five days, in between games in the middle of the season is a long time to let that sit and fester. Um, so the hope is they flush it quickly and give it a good shot. But, you know, the, the plucky underdogs from Chapel Hill are going into the furnace that is, <laughs> <laughs> the furnace that is uh, Raleigh. And, you know, they, um, they're not going to be favored. So just that is, you got to have a puncher's chance. That's what they have. That is some elite level trolling by you, sir. Um, the la last thing I want to point out, uh, February 16th of last season was the day of the Pittsburgh game, which was considered to be uh, the, the bottom. Um, and I think we all know that UNC's record at that time was, uh, was you know, actually uh, worse than it is now. They were 18-8 uh, and eight at that point, and Pittsburgh was a much worse team. So let, let me ask you this, Joey. Let's yeah. be honest. Do you think they've hit the bottom yet? Uh, I think they did against Wake Forest. Um, and, and then, you know, didn't have a ton to didn't have a ton to show for it. I mean, you, you got your bounce back against Clemson, um, and then the way that second half unfolded early tonight, you know, just it it, it was once again more of the same. Um, yeah, I, I see. Think, I think I think Saturday is going to be the bottom. Like, I, oh man, that just feels like a bad. Ma I mean, Sean, we've talked about it offline. It is about, a bad matchup. You're right about about guards who get in the in the face of RJ and Caleb. That's what they struggle with most, and that's that's what what Joyner and, and Smith and Marcel and those guys are going to do. They're going to get in their face the entire game and, and try to, as crazy as it sounds, they're going to try to speed up Carolina. And I don't think that's such a bad, bad move. So I, you know, maybe they'll come out with the hair on fire and, and play a good game, but it, it looks, it looks ominous. As you said before, the, well, the, the clouds are, are swirling. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if there's, if there's some, uh, some revenge to be extracted due to karma, you know, you got to think there's there's going to be a foul uh, flip the other way, um, and uh, there's just there it, there are a lot of things kind of staring the Tar Heels in the face with this game against NC State, and they're not good things. Uh, last thing I'll throw out there, I, I, just because I happened to think about it earlier tonight, is one of the things about the legacy of this team. It's going to really be tough to see if Armando Baycott ends up going the way uh, Ed Cota did, in the sense that both guys were in number five and may not qualify for uh, getting their name up in the rafters. And for a guy that's had the career that Armando Baycott has, both on and off the court, that's that's going to be a tough pill, I think, for folks to swallow in retrospect. Um, boys, before we get out of here, I'll give you your chance for your two pennies, and uh, and we'll give the Johnny T-shirt shout-out before we get out. But, Sean, you got anything you want to add? Uh, again, I know this hasn't been as, as planned of a cadence because we're doing a post-game show, but uh, is there anything you feel like we missed tonight? 
not not in terms of of on the court. I, I think uh, you know each each game. Last week we we're looking at how are they going to do over the final eight. I think each each game is its own individual game. We've seen the highs and the the lows, and and uh, as good as they shot on Saturday, it, it quickly reverted. Um, you know, and once again they can they can come out and they can beat NC State, and you know we'll be talking about how how are they going into at Notre Dame and and UVA et cetera, or they could they could lose and and then they're really really on the outside looking in. Um, you know, I think. If they do get in, there's really only one team you don't want to want to see, and I'd say that would be Houston. Uh, but once again, uh, the the preseason number one team. This is not where I think anybody thought they would they would be. Uh, the other thing, just in terms of of the future, a lot of a lot of high schools are starting starting their playoffs uh, right now. So uh, you know so they'll, they'll be. Hopefully some uh, some good games coming up with the the twenty three and and twenty four guys and and we'll see how they they perform and and what they're what they're looking like. So I'm I'm excited to watch uh, some of their games going forward and who knows who who might be here next year outside of uh, Wiltshire and and High if uh, if anybody. And uh, going into Sunday, this Tar Heel team has you know quite a long layoff. They have not been great after long layoffs this year. Sure, that's a stat you usually like to bring up. Um, so they'll have some time to, to get right and we'll see what happens. Sure. Anything else you feel like we, we glossed over that you want to get before we get out? I was going to say after that last break, the seven day break before the pit game, they've lost three or four cents. So, um, that's not great. Uh, yeah, you know, I, (laughs) I'm, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan in the NFL. So I get to look at mock drafts a lot because the season typically is over in early January. Um, and so part of my job, obviously covering recruiting for, you know, IC is to kind of look and see what's out there already and what they might be thinking and talk to sources and that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, start looking at the transfer portal deadlines and when it opens and all that good stuff. And um, I think the guys on the team now who may or may not be back next season are better shooters than they've shown. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, something to look for moving forward. But I also think if they have the available scholarships that, they will definitely look to add some some shooting. So like, you know, go to the to the big south and find the best shooter. I don't care how terrible he is on defense or how small he is or how tall he is. Go go to the big sky and find some dude who shoots forty eight percent and add him to the roster because um, this shooting, you know, really post Luke May and Cam Johnson has just been awful. I mean, <laughs> for being honest, I'm not again. I'm not trying. It's not personal. No. It's, it's, I'm laughing because um, it's been that bad. Yeah, it's been that bad for the majority of the last three and a half seasons. And you cannot win in college basketball in 2023, you know, playing a style where you're you're not making and converting a good amount of threes. Uh, people might think you can, but I, I just, I don't believe it. Um, and North Carolina, now they're not just bad shooting the last couple of years. They are the worst historically bad team in UNC history. And I think this will be two of the last three years or two of the yes. last four years have been the worst shooting teams in Carolina history. So um, I think on the recruiting trail, you, you might start to see that become more prioritized than it has in the past, um, just as a correction to what the roster has looked like, you know, these last two or three years. Sean, I'm assuming you have this new, uh, this new baby formula thing you want to share with us. <laughs> Well, just uh, sorry, picking back in on on Terrell. I mean, the the power of the three, UNC did play. You know, they 
they're shooting over 60% from two, but when you're just getting two, two, and then all of a sudden you have Nigel Pack and, and they're just ripping off a few threes, it just makes life so much, so much easier offensively when you're able to just get, get a few of those and, and kind of run up the score or keep it close if you're not, not playing that well. Um, and once again, we saw the impact of that in Clemson. We saw the impact of that last year with, with Brady Manick leading the way as well as, uh, what Caleb and RJ were doing, but this year, um, you know, it's completely reversed. Uh, I think they're around number 330 now in three-point percentage. And I think you go back to Hubert's very first interview, and he talked about, can he shoot, can he shoot, can he shoot? And unfortunately, this year, that is that's not the case. Uh, we, know, we know how hard it is to find people from the transfer portal. I, I think UNC got the A-plus on Manic, but outside of that, they've struggled. Miami had three other starters uh, mm-hmm. coming from from transfers with two of them really being up transfers uh, from mid-major mid-major gar- mid-major play um, but it's it's difficult it's challenging and also trying to to fit them into the pieces with really now what will be Hebert's second recruiting class um, and how does that how does that all look but there's still NC State there's still an opportunity but uh, the, the window is is certainly closing unfortunately. And- Joey wants to get off and we, we just keep talking, but uh, let me say one last thing. Like um, I, I'm, we're, I think we're responding in kind to what we saw. I don't want people, we, we get accused of being too bright sometimes. And I don't want people to accuse us of being dark, too dark today because it is dark. Like that's it. I mean, North Carolina is on the verge of, you know, one of the great, I would say collapses in a season yeah. like, ever going from, preseason number one, a team that went to the final four to out of the tournament has never happened before. And so you cannot, the, you cannot take that lightly. You, you can't yeah. say, well, it's, you know, just whatever they didn't play well. And no, this is a big deal and it should be treated as such. So, um, I know this has been, uh, not a hopeful tone. Um, there are still games left. The season's not technically over until the season's technically over, uh, which could be as soon as seven games or could be as many as, you know, 17, who knows? Um, but, uh, I, I just want to say that because we're not kowtowing to either side. We're just telling you what we see. And right now what we see is uh, a team that's not an NCAA tournament team or shouldn't be an NCAA tournament mm-hmm. team that's struggling, that doesn't have an identity, but still has a chance, even um, h- however unlikely to to turn things around. No, I think that's well said, man. Um, absolutely. And, and for all those folks, you know, fans and South Carolina subscribers that have, that were livid after the portland law or the, the portland trip hmm. like now it's okay to be mad right like it's okay to have all that that fatalistic stuff because you know it's staring you in the face now i don't, I don't think it was necessarily staring you in the face though you could probably see some of it uh, and maybe pick some of it out then i don't think it was it was nearly what we're dealing with now but who knows it'll we'll see what happens that's why we play the games um i appreciate you guys being here hey look shout out to johnny t-shirt we appreciate them sponsoring the show i know i did not get a johnny t-shirt reading here but it does not mean that we do not appreciate them and all that they do to support inside carolina and inside carolina content uh johnny t-shirt premium subscribers get that extra 10 percent off the top of their already amazing prices hit them up hey you want to buy a you need to get rid of the shirt that you've been wearing all year because the moto's bad on it go to johnny t-shirt best place to do best thing to do you'll at least feel better about it. And even if, even if the mojo is not good on the new shirt, you'll at least have a new shirt out of it. Thank me later. Uh, shout out to John Siegley for producing. We appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Hit us up with a, a five-star review if you'd like to. Uh, we'd like to know how we're doing. 
Uh, hopefully we're doing better than the team's doing on the floor right now. But either way, we appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Thanks to Sherelle McMillan. Thanks to Sean Moran. I am just Joey Powell. We'll catch you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.